Hey, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. We've come to the end of our Gospel of John series, but that is not the end of the story. We're gonna continue with it today. school my parents went away for a conference in Toronto and if I'm honest my brother and I were pretty bummed we were really disappointed that they didn't take us along I mean we had a great time with my grandparents we were a little bit sad to be left behind until my parents came back and opened their suitcase and what was inside all of these little treasures just for us. And they kind of helped soothe that feeling of being disappointed that they had left us and gone on this adventure all alone. Well, on this side of the relationship, as a parent now, I do the same thing and I get it. I understand how my parents must have felt in Toronto. I mean, I'm sure they were having a great time, but the reality is that my brother and I probably weren't far from their thoughts. They were probably all these moments as they were walking through Toronto that reminded them of us. And so as they carried us on this trip and as they found little treasures that they knew we would delight in, it delighted them to pick up these gifts for us. And we've come to this moment at the end of the Gospel of John that is not the end of the story, as I said just a second ago. And we're actually going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus gives these final instructions to his followers before the ascension, or before Jesus leaves this earth in bodily form and goes to heaven. And that's what we call the ascension. And we come to this moment there's going to be this fulfillment of what John has been talking about as he's been recording the words of Jesus. So in John 16, 7, Jesus said, But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. And unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so we've come to this moment of fulfillment of Jesus's words and, and what he's been setting his followers up for. Again, not the end of the story, but this continuation of it. Jesus is going to leave, but he's not gone. Just like I wasn't gone because I was out of proximity with my parents, we know that right now we're not far from the thoughts of Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us that he's interceding on our behalf, even right now, that he is attentive to us. And because he left, he's able to send the one that's, that's better for us because our relationship with God won't be constrained by proximity to him like it would be if Jesus were here bodily or we'd have to be in the same vicinity with him to hear his words, to understand his teaching. No, he left for our good so that he could send the advocate the helper, the Holy Spirit to us. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter one, verses four to eight. Now we've gotten used to turning to John in our Bibles. And if you go to John, just like you've been used to for the past six months and you just flip a couple pages over, Acts is the very next book in your Bible. It's about third or three quarters of the way 
through your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to help you get one today. Just head over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and you can see some links there to an app, the YouVersion Bible app, or you can fill out a form where we would love to get a paper Bible to you. Well, starting in Acts 1 verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, the Godhead is confusing always. <laughs> Understanding the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, being one but three is completely mind-boggling. And because it's so confusing, I think that we often try to simplify it in our own humanity. We try to kind of put it into um, paradigms that we can understand. And so I think as we do that, we've shrouded the Holy Spirit in some mystery and in some confusion. And so we're going to kind of do a two-parter here this week and next week as we talk about the Holy Spirit who he is, and how um, he, being God, relates to us and how that works in our lives in like all of the practical ways. And we know that the Holy Spirit has been an active part of the Bible all the way up until now in the book of Acts. Jesus has spoken of him multiple times throughout the Gospel of John that we spent a year and a half walking through. And so we're going to do this two-parter to look at who the Holy Spirit is today, and the work that he does in the life of his creation, all of us human beings, next week. But let's start with prayer. So God, I thank you so much that you do what is our for our best. And so Jesus, I thank you that, that you came, that you died on the cross, that you rose again. But we thank you that you've also sent the Holy Spirit to us, the one who guides us in all truth, the one who leads us to you, the one who is our advocate and helper, who is our paraclete. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, as we dive into who you are and the names that are given for you in the Gospel of John, would you just introduce yourself to us afresh and anew? Would you allow us to, to know you and to understand who you are? Would you remove the mystery and the confusion from who you are, that you are God who wants to have a relationship with his people. And so would you help us as we dive into this to do so in truth and in clarity and with a heart of reverence before you, in your precious name, amen. So the book of Acts is this beautiful continuation of the gospel of Luke. And so uh, Jesus's life is kind of recorded in four of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of the authors kind of um, has put different things in that are part of what they're trying to convey to their audience. And so we heard a few weeks ago for the Gospel of John, that he recorded all these things that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
So he wanted to really highlight the divinity of Jesus. So Luke is another author of one of the gospels recording the life and the ministry of Jesus. And he picks up in Acts this like continued narrative. And it's kind of strange that we have a book in between them. That's okay. All the gospels are the work and life of Jesus, so it fits. But he picks up in Acts 1, stating that this is a continuation of his gospel. He says, in my former book, and then he goes to goes on to like kind of talk about how this is going to be this historical account of what takes place in the early church. And if you were ever part of a program called We College growing up, then you would know that the book of Acts stands alone, it's purple, and it's the book of history of the early church. And it outlines the coming of the Holy Spirit and how through that one event, the church just explodes out onto the scene. But who is the Holy Spirit and why does it matter that we would have relationship with him? I mean, we have Jesus. We spent a year and a half talking about how crucial Jesus is to our faith and how we find freedom and salvation and access to God through Jesus alone. So why would this group of followers be told by Jesus that it's so important that they wait for the Holy Spirit, that they should not even leave Jerusalem, that they should just tarry and wait and do nothing else but stay planted until the Holy Spirit comes? Who is this mysterious being, the Holy Spirit? I mean, even his name is kind of mysterious, isn't it? It's kind of shrouded in mystery. And I don't know what your relationship with the church is, but you know what? There are some weird and wacky things that have been attributed to the Holy Spirit, whether he's actually behind them or not. And sometimes because it is, again, so full of mystery and confusion, we can even depersonify the Holy Spirit, where we take the person of the Holy Spirit, emphasis on person, and we treat him as like an energy or some kind of force that we can control or conjure. But who is he really? And why is his presence in our life so vital? Well, the Holy Spirit is a full member of the Trinity. He's not less than or the lowest of. He's equal in the full mantle of God. And yes, the Holy Spirit is also a person with intellect, with will and emotion. He can be insulted, grieved, resisted, and he can also act in love, comfort, and patience. He's a full person. So it's so important that we wrap our heads around that. Because if the Holy Spirit is not a person, if he's just an energy or a force, then we're going to be tempted to try and conjure or manufacture movements of the Holy Spirit. Because he's something that can be turned on and turned off, like a light switch turns on and off electricity. If he's just an energy without will, then that's something that we can do things to influence. And if he's less than the rest of the Godhead, if he's the lowest of, if he's just the one that is the um, one who goes and does the bidding, like the gopher of the Godhead, then we can be tempted to diminish and demean his standing and, because of that, our reverence towards him. If he's less than, then we can be guilty of diminishing and dismissing our need to follow and obey his voice and his prompting. 
But if we have a full awareness of who the Holy Spirit is, then we can come to him with a reverence and submission like we would come before God because the Holy Spirit is God. R.A. Torrey writes, if the Holy Spirit is merely an influence, our constant aim would be, how can I obtain this influence? But he, if he is a divine person, our constant attitude will be, how can he have more of me? And so as we bring our perspective back to truth, as we embrace the truth that the Holy Spirit is fully God, that he is a fully functional and worthy part of the Godhead, then we put our own attitudes towards him in proper alignment. We interact with the Holy Spirit in reverence and submission. And so we're going to pull three of these names of the Holy Spirit out of the book of John as Jesus talks about this one that is coming after him. And we're going to kind of focus on that today to give us some clues on who the Holy Spirit really is. And we've mentioned this in a different message, but I'm going to mention it again. These names of God give us a glimpse into the relationship that God desires to have with his people. So I have various different names. My name is Lisa, but I also answer to babe by my husband. I answer to mom by my kids. I answer to daughter from my parents, sister from my brother, friend. And all of those names that I answer to carry a different um, relational dynamic. And so it doesn't change who I am, but it does change how I would interact with the people that call me that name. They speak to how I function in my life, but they don't change who I am. They don't change my identity. They don't change the core of who um, I am and what makes Lisa Mitchell, Lisa Mitchell. And so this is true with God as well. God gives us all sorts of names for the Bible for himself. And it's not that he has an identity crisis. He's giving us clues of how he will function, how he'll relate to us as his children and his followers. And so the names of the Holy Spirit give us glimpses into how he functions in relationship to us, but not changing who he is. And so we're going to pull up three of the names of the Holy Spirit from the Gospel of John. And then next week, we're going to dive into the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives and what that looks like today, why we actually need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the three names that we're going to talk about today, straight from the Gospel of John, are the Spirit of Truth, Holy Spirit, and Parakletos, or Helper. Now we're going to start with the Holy Spirit because that's obviously, the name we most often give the Holy Spirit. And I want to be really clear, this is not the spirit of holiness, which the Holy Spirit also calls himself. <clears throat> but we find the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26 and John 20, 20. So John 14, 26 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In John 20, 22, says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, not the spirit of holiness. This isn't um, giving us a glimpse of how, how the Holy Spirit works holiness in our life. This is a whole different word. In fact, this word, Holy Spirit, is very much like we use in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, 
holy or hallowed is your name. That word in Matthew 6, 9 is hagiadzo, and it comes from the Greek word hagios, which means to be um, set apart in holiness or in sacredness. It's speaking of how um, God is completely separate from us. There is a distance. We are not the same. We are image bearers of God, but he is completely his own entity. We cannot become God. We cannot become like God. He is separate. He is holy, set apart, sacred. And when we say that in the Lord's Prayer, every time we say it, our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be thy name. We're revering the name of God above all names. What we're saying is, holy is your name. There's no one like you. You're completely set apart. You're the name above all names. And there's no one that could even come close to being like who you are. And so just in that same breath, the Holy Spirit is this prayer of declaration of who he is. Holy Spirit, there's no one like you. You are completely set apart. There's no one who could even come close to you. And so every time we refer to him with this title, we're stating that he has no equal, that he is completely set apart and sacred. It's a statement of his divinity. It's a declaration of who he is, whether we fully comprehend or understand that or not. Holy Spirit, the one who's set apart, the one who's sacred, the one who is to be worshiped and revered, the one who has no equal. And this is the person who wants to have a relationship with us. The one who has come, as Jesus said, for our good. Which brings us to Parakletos. This very spirit of God, the one with no equal, has come to be what Jesus was to his followers. Jesus was there to guide, to reveal, to comfort, to help. But they needed to be in physical proximity with him because Jesus was constrained by a physical body when he was here on earth. But the Holy Spirit has come to be all of that and more unrestricted, unconstrained by the limits of time and space. And it brings us to this beautiful word that the Gospel of John has given us for the Holy Spirit, parakletos. And this is what we've been promised in the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16, uh, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. John 14, 26 says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And in John 16, 17, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now I'm reading out of the New International Version, the NIV translation of the Bible. And so I'm curious, type in uh, to the chat box below. Do you have advocate as that word in your Bible? Do you have helper or do you have counselor? And different translations as they take this Greek word parakletos have translated it to different English equivalents. 
equivalents. And so uh, <laughs> we're just proving right now how difficult it is to translate any language to any language because all of those three things, advocate, helper, and counselor fit within the, the Greek meaning of this word parakletos. And it's this beautiful word, the called in one, the one who hastens to help, advocate, intercessor, counselor, consoler, comforter, helper, all of those actually apply as a suitable uh, translation in English to this amazingly complex and beautifully intricate word, parakletos. So the Holy Spirit, parakletos, is the God who hears and answers. The Holy Spirit is the God who draws near to us in our time of need. The God who's attentive, who is wise, who is mighty, who sees the end from the beginning, the one that we can run to regardless of the circumstances and trust in him for all we need. Because Parakletos, our called in one, our helper, our Holy Spirit, is always near. He's here waiting to give us the help, the advocacy, the wise counsel, the comfort that we each so desperately need. I think it's this beautiful reminder that just because Jesus left, that God didn't leave us. He sent us the one who listens and hears and acts on our behalf. Parakletos, our helper, the one who's waiting for us to cry out, to come and hasten to our aid. What a beautiful picture of how God wants to function in relationship with us. I feel like we kind of need a Selah moment, a stop and ponder. <laughs> And I even felt that as we were, I was writing this message, every time I'd write the Holy Spirit and just coming to the awareness of what that means and, and just pondering the relationship and the, the incredible love and intention that God pursues us with. I feel like every time I say that word, I kind of, or his title, his name, I want to stop and just pause and, and sit and just like bask for a moment in how much God loves us and is wanting to act on our behalf. And we could take a lifetime to unpack who the Holy Spirit is. We could take a lifetime to kind of dive through all of the names and the nuances of them that, that God gives himself, that he speaks of himself with to give us clues in, in how he wants to interact with us. I feel like we could spend a lifetime just looking at, at how God acts on behalf and for the good of his children. We serve such an incredibly amazing and generous God. And so going through this today and next week is just this like, oh, like not even a tip of an iceberg. Like if we took a plastic spoon and like grouped a little bit out of an iceberg, that's what we're at. So we're gonna go into the last, these names that the Gospel of John attributes to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And we find that in John 14, 16 to 17, John 15, 26, and John 16, 13. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, that's the Parakletos, 
to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, Paracletus, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And I love this kind of functional title of the Holy Spirit so much. I love this relationship that we get to have with the Holy Spirit so much because I don't know about you, but right now I feel like I am desperate for what is true. Everything in our world kind of feels topsy-turvy right now. Like what can we trust? What can we not trust? What is misinformation? What is being uh, manipulated to get us to go a certain way? It kind of feels like you're walking through this sea of discernment everywhere. <laughs> every time you turn on the news, every time you look at social media, everywhere, it's this sea of discernment of like what is true and what's not true. I don't know if there's ever been a time that is just quite as crucial as now for us to lean into this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need him to be our spirit of truth. We need him to be our center, to be our guiding point, our absolute truth, because we live in a world where very little is actually true. So this title speaks to that. This word for spirit of truth is aletheia, and it's a divine truth revealed to man. It's a truth that is not found in humanity. It's a truth that's been set apart from us. Just like the Holy Spirit is this sacred um, separation, this holy separation where he, God is unto himself, there's no one like him. This word aletheia for truth is kind of the same thing. It's a truth that has not been constructed or manufactured or manipulated by humanity anyway. It's a truth that has been coming completely from God. So it's set apart from us. And because it's set apart from us, it's free of my bias and preferences. It's free of my selfishness. How I would like to twist and manipulate truth so it puts me ahead me in the best light. It's free from my hurt and the maybe wrong stories that I tell myself about situations that truth can be what I need it to be in the moment. We have a very unique way of defining truth in our broken humanity. But when truth is apart from us, then we can trust it. It hasn't been tainted or corrupted by humanity. It hasn't been spun so that one party triumphs over another. It hasn't been used to serve the whims of one over another. It just is what it is. It just is truth. And when truth, the truth that's apart from humanity, so it hasn't been manufactured or manipulated, when that truth comes into society, it brings order to chaos. It brings peace to battle because it centers us on a point and a standard that we can all trust. It isn't being used to uh, prop up one sector over another. It just is. Truth just is. It's a measure that we can all measure ourselves in every circumstance to. 
And so we need the spirit of truth, the one that is the only one who actually knows it. The one who this truth apart from us is completely absorbed in. We need him to reveal what it is to us. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of God, to reveal this absolute truth that is apart from our brokenness to a world that has become so much about me, about my truth, about what will set me apart, what will allow people to see me in the best light, what is in it for me. And this spirit of truth, Aletheia, it frees us from that prison of me. And it reminds me that I'm not in control here. That, that there's a beautiful and freeing world outside of me when I don't define life, when I surrender to the one who is truth. When I walk step in step, when I just stay centered in who he is and his commands and in what he tells me is the best way to live life, a life full of freedom and purpose and hope and joy. And when I do that, when I don't look at what's in it for me, when I just center my thoughts on him, I find freedom. I find freedom from myself. I find freedom from my selfish ambition. I find freedom from the things that I thought were good but ended up being prisons of addiction, prisons of hurt relationships. I find freedom in the spirit of truth when I don't need to decide what's true when I just listen to who is truth. The one set apart, the one who hears and enters my search. The one who call, comes when I call out to him, my Paracletos, my spirit of truth, Aletheia, the one set apart, the Holy Spirit. I love sharing about the Holy Spirit and I really, I really do, because we serve an incredible God. We serve a God who is attentive who hears what we need. And Jesus spoke to his followers before he left and he said, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father's promised. And he was so insistent. And those followers listened. And they went to the upper room and they waited because they knew, and Jesus knew, that what he was calling them to, they couldn't do without the Holy Spirit. It would be so hard and so impossible without his might, without his wisdom, without his direction, without his nearness. And so friends, this morning, I wanna say, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, don't leave this place. Wait for him. Don't leave this place because life is hard enough and the Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to give you all of his wisdom, his might. He wants to work out this looking like Jesus in our lives. He wants to introduce Jesus to us. He does so much for us. And we're going to look at that next week. 
but we need the Holy Spirit. We need the one who is set apart, the sacred one. We need to be reminded again and again and again that God is near and he's attentive and he's listening to us and he's not just listening, but he's ready to spring into action when we need him, that he still is who he is. He is the great I am, the one to be revered and held in awe, the one worthy of our worship. He hasn't changed. I want to remind you that we need the Holy Spirit, the Parakletos who's attentive in our time of need, who comes rushing in when we cry for help, when we need an advocate, when we need a counselor, when we need a comforter, when we need a helper, he's there. A God who's not just near, but is active in the lives of his children. And we need the spirit of truth, Aletheia, to break us out of this crazy topsy-turvy world of me that we live in and to center us once again on a truth that's separate from us a truth that is a standard for all people a truth that frees us of the ways that truth truth has been manipulated and manufactured and brings us back into step with god so don't leave wait for him here's a beautiful thing if you know jesus the Holy Spirit's a free gift for you. Jesus said, he said it. <laughs> Don't leave, wait for the gift promised by my Father. If you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit introduced you to him. Maybe it's time to just wait in his presence and allow him to make himself known to you. And if this morning you're exploring faith and you haven't made a decision to allow Jesus to be your savior, but you're here, that's because the Holy Spirit's already been pursuing you. You've already been in contact with him. You just didn't know it. I believe he wants to help you walk into that next step of meeting Jesus and meeting him. One and the same, the Godhead, three and one. So confusing. But don't wait because we need him. This life is not one we can walk out alone. Let me pray for us. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for the ways that you are with us. I thank you that you've promised to be a free gift to all people, that you're with us, but you've promised us an infilling, a baptism in the Holy Spirit that would empower us to be your witnesses, to have the courage and the boldness to live out a faith that is active, a faith that is vibrant and distinctive, I thank you that you're the one who refines us, that you are the spirit of holiness, who works out what this looks like to, to walk looking more and more like Jesus each day. But I thank you that you are God, that you are holy, you are set apart and we worship you and we stand in awe of who you are. I thank you that you are a Paracletos who, who comes to our aid, that in you we find all we need. And I thank you that you are our spirit of truth, who guides us into all truth, for you are truth, and truth comes from you. So this morning, for all who are looking for you, would you let us find you? In your precious name, amen.